Today, we'll re-examine our commitment to protect human life. Every person from conception to natural death possesses inherent dignity and immeasurable worth. AFR Morning host J.J. Jasper joins us. Then, Jeff King of International Christian Concern gives us an update on Christian persecution in the world. Nigeria, look, it's it's seen probably upwards of 100,000 Christians murdered in the last 20 years. Also, author and Bible teacher Christy McClellan talks about the kind of spiritual posture we need to have when coming to the Word of God. It is a meeting. It's not so much reading the Bible to learn a thing. It's more experiencing the Bible and experiencing someone. It's the weekend of January 27th and 28th. I'm Jeff Shambly, and this is The Stand Radio. January is Sanctity of Human Life Month, where we give special attention to the value of every God-given life, no matter how big or small, old or young, and recommit ourselves to protecting those lives. Joining me to talk about Sanctity of Human Life Month and the wonderful gift God has given us in human life is J.J. Jasper. For those of you who listen to J.J. and John in the morning here on AFR, you know who he is. He's also an author and a speaker. J.J., welcome to the program. Oh, it's great to be here. And as you mentioned, January, Sanctity of Human Life Month, In the Bible, we read, My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Psalm 139, verse 15 and 16. And those of you listening, you are precious in the sight of God and were created in his image. You have value. You're not a mistake. You're not an accident. You were made by God, and you are loved by God. You know, when we read the Bible, J.J., we, one of the great gifts that we find is that God is the source of life. When we read in Genesis that he breathed life into the nostrils of Adam and he became a human being, that's one thing that's lost when we talk about the value of life that actually has come from God. Yes, and you see so many things that in Scripture that you might miss, just like when uh, Mary, teenage Mary, uh, caring baby Jesus, meeting Elizabeth with John the Baptist in her womb. And when they met, it says that John the Baptist, the the fetus, if you will, Mm -hmm. leaped uh, on hearing and knowing that the Messiah was right there. You know, wait a minute. You mean a a baby was one of the first to recognize the Messiah? And you see... um, You know, people that are reading their Bible through this year, and we've been reading about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and God's covenant, his faithfulness, and you see Joseph and then now Moses, those that are reading uh, through the Bible, trying to read through this year, and there with Moses, and you see the Pharaoh, his hatred towards the Hebrews and Mm -hmm. wanting to uh, kill those babies and instructing those midwives, if, if it's a baby girl, let the child live. If it's a little boy, kill the baby. And it's almost like you see the roots of a, abortion even way back then, how demonic and satanic it is. And then those midwives who said they feared God and they disobeyed Pharaoh, and God actually gave them families of their own. So you just see so many examples in Scripture how God loves babies Uh, He's the creator of life, and uh, during January, not just during January, but at least it's a spotlight that that we should uh, realize that 
the sanctity of human life that every person from conception to natural death possesses inherent dignity yeah. and immeasurable worth, including preborn children, the elderly, those with special needs. We're called to to defend, protect, and value all human life. JJ, I appreciate your ministry so much. Uh, through the years, and you and I have known each other for a long time, you have a large family, and you love to talk about it. You have a beautiful family. When you go to pro-life banquets and you speak to them, do you share your own story of, of um, having a large family and all of the blessings of the Lord has given you? Well, I do that, and uh, it's, it sounds like you and I were <laughs> preaching to the choir because you have a large family yeah. as well. And Melanie and I, we have seven children, and there are so many layers to our pro-life story. We have a lot of babies. We love babies in our our home. And then we have... um, we had a child die, and when we didn't think we could be more pro-life, that old adage of mm-hmm. you don't know what you have until it's taken away. Mm-hmm. So our passion for life just went to the next level after our little boy died in an accident on our family farm. And well, then we have a, a little boy that has special needs. He has Down syndrome. And there again, when a woman finds out with prenatal testing that the child has Down syndrome, it's like in the 90 percentile yeah. range that they that they kill the baby, I guess, thinking the baby's not going to have a good quality of life or, you know, I don't know the fear and trauma that, that goes on. And I'm certainly not trying to judge or condemn anyone, but having that little boy Bodie in our life, he makes yeah. us smile every single day. My wife thinks when we get to heaven, everybody is going to have Down syndrome in heaven <laughs> because he's so kind and loving yeah. and friendly and never has a bad day. So, Yes, there's a lot of layers to our pro-life story now. We've got grandbabies and just what everybody who has grandchildren, they told us for years, you just wait. If you think you're experiencing joy and love now, uh, grandbabies are just going to be, you know, an incredible blessing. And and they are. This past week, American Family Radio partnered with Preborn, uh, which is a ministry dedicated to saving babies' lives and ministering to uh, women and men affected by abortion. Tell us about that campaign this past week and how did it go? Well, it went really well, very successful. Our listeners are the best, and many or most of you listening are pro-life. And and you're right, this year marks the eighth year for American Family Radio and American Family Association to partner with Preborn Ministry to provide free ultrasounds to women in crisis pregnancies. Since 2016, AFR, we've hosted a preborn campaign each January um, in observance of the Sanctity of Human Life Month. And through these campaigns, listen to this, AFR listeners have funded more than 25,000 ultrasounds for expectant mm. mothers. So the difference made through the contributions of American Family listeners, it, it can't be overstated. We had Dan Steiner on the program uh, a couple of weeks ago, and we talked about the effectiveness of an ultrasound. When a mother hears the heartbeat, uh, the sound of her baby, there's something that God triggers on the inside of a mother. And uh, most of the time, 80% of the time, she'll choose life. That's amazing. That's amazing, and I get a chance to speak at a lot of pregnancy resource center banquets across the country. Last spring, in one week, I was in Montana, Florida, and Kansas in in one week. And usually not that busy, but I remember several years ago, 
I was speaking at a banquet in Kokomo, Indiana, and just talking to the director, all of the victories, all of the way they come alongside the clients, treat them with dignity and respect and share the gospel. Mm -hmm. And in, in just in conversation, she said, oh, and she said, you know, a few years ago when we got our first ultrasound, it was donated by Preborn. And, oh. I, and I said, wait a minute, Preborn, oh, we partner goodness. with them. We know that ministry. Yeah. We respect and trust that ministry. They said, oh, they gave us our very first ultrasound years ago. And then she went on to say, you know, that that, that one wore out. And she said the Knights of Columbus donated the next one. And you hear uh, so many uh, wonderful praise reports in yep. the Catholic Church. They they sort of led the way early on in the, yeah. in the uh, pro-life march, the pro-life community. So, yeah, that was nice to to meet someone and hear how God is using preborn, using these ultrasounds, as you mentioned, yep. when, a, when a scared woman comes in uh, and she is pro-abortion-minded, when she actually sees her baby on that ultrasound, up to 80% mm. choose life. If our listeners want to uh, participate in this campaign, the door's still open. They can do that, JJ. How can people support the work of preborn? Thank you for asking. You can call 877-616-2396, 877-616-2396, or you can donate. It's going to be active all weekend. You can donate at AFR.net. And, you know, we've mentioned about me getting an opportunity yeah. to share at banquets. If I can make mention in a couple of weeks, I'm going to be in Ripley, Mississippi, February the 6th, My Choices Pregnancy Resource Center Banquet. Mm-hmm. March the 21st, Hillcrest Baptist Church in New Albany for First Choice. April the 18th, Pregnancy Service Center Banquet in Salina, Kansas. And then I'll be in Texas, and I'll be in Scottsboro, Alabama, and different dates throughout the year. And I would appreciate prayers, covet the prayers of the listeners, uh, because having an opportunity to speak for the most vulnerable among us, to have Mm -hmm. a voice for that little one who has no voice, it's a privilege and an honor. And if people want to know more about you, they can go to your website, jjjasper.com. That's right. You can check that out, find out where you're speaking, invite you maybe to their church, take a look at the books that you've written and other things as well. JJ, thanks for stopping by. Yes, sir. Thank you, Jeff. On any given day, there are an estimated 200 to 300 million Christians suffering persecution. That's according to International Christian Concern. Jeff King is the president of International Christian Concern, and he's joining us to give us the latest trends on religious freedom around the world. Mr. King, welcome to The Stand Radio. Thank you so much for having me. You've just released your 2023 Persecutors of the Year report. Uh, Can you give us an update on where the world stands in terms of Christian persecution? Yeah, I, I think a couple really big picture points are that it's getting worse. It's not getting better. Um, and in the old days, you know, the persecution we're all familiar back when it was the it was the Marxist countries. It was China and Vietnam and and the old Soviet Union, and and so some of those places are are still you know persecuting, uh, especially China. Uh, but the real story is the rise of radical Islam as a major source of persecution. And maybe apart from that, I would also point to India, which is more of a just typical religious or cultural uh, persecution. Those are the big, very big trends. Were there any places in particular that have risen to the top of your list that weren't there before? 
Um, you know, the, the list is, for the most part, uh, a, a list of standard players out there, and they kind of get shuffled. There's new okay. ones that come in, uh, Azerbaijan, but they were on last year. Uh, but the one I always point to is Nigeria. It's just like most people have no idea, and I put it up there. Uh, for most people, this is an incredible eye-opener, and I'd say I put it up there with North Korea. Uh, you know, North Korea gets such bad press, um, but Nigeria, look, it's... It's seen probably upwards of 100,000 Christians murdered in the last 20 years. Uh, three million, three and a half million mm. Christian farmers, their land stolen. They live as refugees in their own country. And yet the government can never seem to do anything year after year. And so this is where I'm just constantly banging the drum and pointing to Nigeria. You've identified Nigeria as the world's most dangerous place to be a Christian in the world uh, in 2023. And I find it interesting that the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom, which is a federal commission, has been critical of the U.S. State Department for failing to include Nigeria on its country's a particular concern for religious oppression. Any ideas what's going on with that? Well, yeah, we put out a press release saying the same thing as soon as the list came out. Uh, it's it's maddening, honestly. So, and just so people understand, this is the CPC or the countries of particular concern. This is countries around the world that have a very bad track record when it comes to religious freedom. And so, typically, I mean, if you look at Nigeria, what you what you see is there's kind of a Muslim North and a Christian South. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Christians used to be all over the place. They've been pushed out of their north first by Boko Haram, and now the Fulanis. And it's a it's a very slow-motion jihad. Uh, okay. And maybe it's not so slow-motion. It's a major jihad, but it's kind of hidden. Uh, it's a, it's a slow-motion uh, uh, genocide. It's a massive land grab. But for the most part, here's what goes on in Washington. So every year, the Nigerian government comes to Washington and says, this is such a tricky problem. Uh, this is a war out in the bush, and it's right. just a conflict between herders and farmers. And, and they're so hard to find, these tricky guys, but if you gave us more money for helicopters and, and arms, we could probably do a better job. And then the government, see, our government seems to go along with it. And it's, it's very hard, and we've been working at this for years, you know, to wake up the State Department and say, first of all, this is a religious conflict. Why are churches being attacked? Uh, and why aren't Muslim villages being attacked? It's so obvious, and anybody in Nigeria knows what's going on. Uh, but the reason, and so, so why aren't they on the list? Well, biggest country in Africa, major ally, they have oil, so we don't want to get them too upset. Uh, and, you know, it's like our allies, we, we find it difficult to bring up real tough problems as, and keep them close. We, we really need to do both. It's not an either-or. Uh, Regarding this 2023 Persecutors of the Year report, you make that available not only for the public at large, but also for those on Capitol Hill. How has this information impacted leaders in government? You mentioned the State Department. What about Congress? Yeah, well, this is why we put it out. We put it out for Capitol Hill. We put it out for journalists. Because, look, persecution is a complicated subject, depending on what you're dealing with. And there's so many countries out there, and so we wanted to produce a primer so that that those who want to get a handle on things can do so quickly and look at all these trouble spots around the world and and kind of get to the gist of what's going on. So it's very well received. It's very well appreciated. And, you know, there's lots of people on Capitol Hill that that do care uh, and that are willing to do work on it. You just kind of have to help them in terms of, you know, uh, grading through the information and trying to make sense of it all. Yeah. 
It seems like the pressure is increasing on Christians in the West in ways that we have not seen in the past. You've recently interviewed Isabel Vaughn Spruce on your Facebook page, who was arrested in the UK for praying outside an abortion clinic. Where is the West overall in its religious freedom? Yeah, well, I'd say like you, hey, look, it's pretty obvious what's going on. Now, on the one hand, we're the frog in the kettle, so too many Christians... Uh, are saying, well, maybe it's kind of just slightly worse, but things are getting worse. Uh, there's no doubt there's very much a political fight going on, and the law is used to target political enemies, and that would be Christians. Um, and so there's just a general hatred um, among those of a certain political class towards Christians, and again, they're willing to twist the laws and use the laws against them. So it's maddening. At the same time, there is reason for hope. There have been a number uh, of cases at the Supreme Court level that have gone in the right direction, and it can take decades for these things to work out. So it's a little bit of a mixed bag, but the culture is seriously uh, turning towards a direction that I think we're all aware of. It's not; it has nothing to do with democracy. It's kind of banana republic stuff, and and uh, those willing to use the levers of power against their political enemies. Uh, and so part of that's what you're seeing with Christianity in the West. We want to make sure our listeners know about the, the report and where they can get that. Again, the report is the uh, 2023 Persecutors of the Year report. It's available at the website persecution.org. Uh, that's persecution.org. Uh, Jeff, when people go to that website, are there any other resources that you can offer our listeners uh, so that they can take action on behalf of other Christians? Yeah, absolutely. Well, so first of all, there's a free magazine, and it's truly a magazine about persecution as opposed to just, you know, a newsletter where you're saying, give us money. We try to teach people what's going on. So just look for our magazine called Persecution. And uh, I've actually got a new devotion coming out, a new devotional that's really based on the lessons of the persecuted church. And, and uh, we've actually got a free copy for people. It's just about to come out. So if you send me an email at jeff at persecution.org, we will put you on the list and get a free copy out to you. Uh, where are we headed in 2024? And I know that's difficult to say, but are you encouraged that Christians are becoming more aware of persecution? And do you find that's the case? Um, I think maybe, yeah. In the very big picture, that's the case, compared to, especially compared to 20 years ago when okay. I started. I mean, it was, you know, people were like so surprised. So now there's a much greater awareness that's encouraging. At the same time, 20 years ago, I was just talking about the storm that's coming to our shores in terms of religious freedom for Christians. And now it's here. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's not a hurricane, but there is a storm, and we are being targeted. So that is definitely of concern, and we need to watch that and, and go after it. Well, you can get your free copy again of the 2023 Persecutors of the Year report at the website persecution.org. And also on that website, there's a link where you can take action on behalf of believers around the world. Jeff King of International Christian Concern, thank you for being with us and sharing your perspective on where we are in terms of persecution. Oh, thanks so much for having me on. Knowing God through His Word is really a foundational part of the Christian life, yet too often there's a shallow familiarity about how we approach it that's related more to our own cultural backgrounds than anything else. Well, our next guest helps people to see that and guides them into a fresh encounter with God through His Word. Christy McClellan is a graduate of Dallas Theological Seminary and is a best-selling author, Bible teacher, and professor at Williamson College. Ms. McClellan is with us to talk about her book, Rediscovering Israel, a fresh look at God's story in its historical and cultural context. Christy, welcome to the program. 
Thank you for having me, Jeff. I'm excited for our conversation. As Westerners, what are we missing uh, when it comes to reading the Bible through our eyes uh, that are in the 21st century? You know, I often compare it to when you go to the eye doctor for your annual visit, and you're sitting there in front of the machine, and he's clicking it left and right, and you're looking for clarity. It's moving something from fuzzy to a little bit clearer. Mm-hmm. You know, I tell people all the time, all language makes sense in context. And we are Westerners, you know, really reading the Bible in this Middle Eastern context that was written over the course of 1,600 years. And so learning to read the Bible through that Hebraic, what I like to call a Middle Eastern lens, it's helped things that were fuzzy become more clear to me, and it's given me a much greater appreciation for who the living God is, what He's like, and what it's going to mean to walk with Him. What was it that prompted you personally to begin examining the Bible in their original Middle Eastern context? You know, in 2007, the Lord opened up the door for me to be able to go study the Bible in Egypt and Israel. And I tell people all the time that I went to Israel and learned that the living God is better than I ever knew. And there was something so powerful about reading and ingesting the stories of the Bible in the very places where they happened. It's text in context. It's studying the biblical stories in incarnational space. And I am a visual, tactile learner, and there was something about, I felt like I went home with Jesus Mm -hmm. and got to know Him in His world, visiting places like Bethlehem, Nazareth, and Capernaum. And so faith was made sight for me in some ways on that trip, and I came home, and I've been taking teams to Israel on biblical study trips ever since then, starting in 2008. Yeah. You talked about in your book the kind of posture that we have as we come to the Bible. Would you describe what you mean by that and, and how that impacts us as Jesus followers? You know, I love Psalm 19 where it talks about that the scriptures are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. And I think sometimes we approach the Bible honestly more like orphans. We think that it's for us to open up the Word of God and to dig something out, to scrounge, to feed ourselves. And one of the things I really learned in Israel is this Jewish posture of posturing ourselves to receive when we open up the Word of God. What is it that the Spirit of God is going to move over the Word of God and raise it into our hearts and into our lives? We are not orphans, and we are not the fatherless. And every time as followers of Jesus that we open our Bibles, we are not alone. He is with us. It is a meeting. It's not so much reading the Bible to learn a thing. It's more experiencing the Bible and experiencing someone in the Bible. What is it that going to Israel does that broadens your own understanding of the Bible's message? You know, I tell my students at the college all the time that the Bible is the best and truest story that's ever been told. And for me, I have such a deep passion in taking people to the land of Israel to learn the Bible in its historical, cultural, geographic, and linguistic context. And I would say that the land is living. The Hebrew word for land is Eretz Yisrael, is always moving. They're Mm -hmm. constantly making new discoveries. And every time I'm in Israel, I'm right in the middle of my own life and story as it is. So people often ask me, what is my favorite site? or a biblical place to go in Israel, and my answer is that changes. 
because it depends on what's going on in my life. When my living and active spirit goes to Israel, this very much living land, and again, it's this interaction with the living God in time and space that just continues to give me more and more understanding of what the biblical authors meant and what they were writing, and it's giving me just a deeper love each and every time, again, for who God is, what He's like, and what it's going to mean for me to follow Him. Christy McClellan is our guest today. She's written the book, Rediscovering Israel, A Fresh Look at God's Story and Its Historical and Cultural Context. Um, In that book, uh, you talk about the period between the close of the Old Testament and the beginning of the New Testament. Why do you believe that that particular time is important for understanding the biblical narrative? Uh, I love talking about this. So we're talking about that little white page in our Bibles between Malachi and the last book of the Old Testament, and Matthew, the first book of the New Testament. And that little white page is funny because a lot happened on that little white page. It covers about 400 years of human history. It's a time period that we call the intertestamental period, or the period literally between the Testaments. And when I'm teaching the intertestamental period, I often call it as the time period when God was getting the nursery ready for baby Jesus. We see enormous shifts in human history. We see the onslaught of the Greeks and Alexander the Great. We see Rome taking over the Holy Land. And we enter into a New Testament in that context. And so you have the story of Hanukkah during the intertestamental Mm -hmm. period. You have the beginning of the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Essenes, the Zealots, so many of the things that we're reading about in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and on into the New Testament, they find their genesis and origin and beginning during that intertestamental period, and so it sheds great light and understanding in the narrative of the Bible to get a better understanding of that time period between the Old and New Testaments. You're a professor at Williamson College, and I believe you have uh, sort of an affiliated website or a ministry titled New Lens Biblical Studies. Tell us a little bit about that and and, uh, what that entails. Absolutely. New Lens Biblical Studies is an educational tributary of Williamson College. Just this month, I'm starting my 20th year of teaching in the Biblical Studies department there. And we have a website. It's newlensbiblicalstudies.com. We have online courses available. We have Israel trip information available. And it's just ways that people can connect with us, that people who are interested in learning the Bible more in a historical and cultural context, we can help resource people with that. People can subscribe absolutely for free to join our email list. Um, And it's just been a great way to connect with people really around the country and more and more around the world. A lot of people in our audience would love to go to the land of Israel, but they have not been. Maybe they will never go. Uh, This book is a great way to sort of look over your shoulder as you travel uh, the hills of Judea and Samaria and the Sea of Galilee and so forth to sort of experience that on their own. So it's a great resource for Sunday school teachers as well. So um, how can people get in touch with you if they want to know more about your teaching resources or even go with you uh, to the Holy Land? Um, They can follow me on Instagram. It's just at Christy McClellan. And that New Lens website that I was telling you about, it'll have all of our online courses and resources there, as well as a way to subscribe, to follow, to start getting more information. Fantastic. Well, We'll put the link to those things on our podcast page. Christy, great to talk with you. Thanks so much for writing this book. And we wish you the best as you continue to help people experience the fullness of God's Word. 
Thank you, Jeff. Shalom to you and your family. Well, be sure and join us next week as George Barna shows us the surprisingly secular worldview that children have and what we can do in our churches and our homes to effectively disciple them. You can find today's program at AFR.net. There you'll find information on our guest in the show notes and get a link to share the podcast with someone. Don't forget your free six-month subscription to The Stand magazine. Find out more at afa.net slash The Stand. I'm Jeff Shambly. Join us again next time on The Stand Radio.